Welcome back to the Meet St. Louis podcast, brought to you by Mattress Direct, your local sleep specialist. Each week, we take you behind the scenes of your favorite restaurants, breweries, and small businesses. I'm your host, Alexa Zotos with KMOV. Angela Ortman, a.k.a. St. Louis Wine Girl, has been at the forefront of the hospitality world in St. Louis since 2009. She wears a lot of different hats in her job, from consulting for area restaurants to hosting tastings, dinners, and classes, to social media and writing. And she does it all while cheering on our ever-expanding food world. It started with a blog and has evolved into a career. And she takes us through the unconventional journey in this week's episode as we talk wine, her favorite spots in town, and the camaraderie found in the St. Louis hospitality scene. Let's meet Angela. Get the best price on brand name mattresses at Mattress Direct. You'll get the guaranteed lowest price and the non-commissioned sleep specialists will make sure you get the right mattress for the way you get to sleep. You'll sleep better knowing you got the best price on the right mattress when you shop local at St. Louis Mattress Direct. On the podcast. Thank you so much. For people who don't know exactly what it is you do, because you have your hands in so many things <laughs> in St. Louis and the hospitality world. Walk us back to to kind of the origins of your story. Okay. So first of all, I always, because I do so much, I always tell people I get paid to eat, drink, and talk. Because I mean, it's the, that's only the best way. job in the world, yes. right? <laughs> uh, I'm very lucky. Um, but where it started is I had always worked in restaurants in high school and college. It was the easiest way to make money. Um, after finishing at Mizzou, I moved out to San Francisco to go to architectural What'd design you study school. At Mizzou? Um, I said just business. Business, okay. Very, yeah. And then I wanted, I moved out to San Francisco to study like architectural design because mm. I actually wanted to like spatially plan restaurants. Oh, okay. Like not necessarily like decor, but like make it like seem reasonable mm. and like especially in an efficiency manner because okay. I you can't explain the frustration as a server of like the soda fountain being 20 feet away from the ice bin and things right. like that and like logistically. Um, but again, I just was going to rely on working in restaurants but then I moved out there and I was like whoa like this is not the St. Louis f- food and drink scene <laughs> and so I felt so overwhelmed but I was like I became immediately like obsessed and intrigued and it was the first time I was working in places where like we knew where the mushrooms came from mm-hmm. we knew where the fish you know it's just I had never worked in places like that and so then I fell in love with it I um, started getting a knack for food and wine pairings. I had a chef and owner offer for me to pay to study to get some certifications. And then um, I stayed and lived in San Francisco working at very um, wonderful restaurants and hotels for quite a few years. And then when I moved back to St. Louis, I think my dad was like, so business, architectural design, and sommelier, like... (laughs) what's that going to be? And I was like, <laughs> I don't really know. And so I started working at a couple places here just the first year I was back. And ironically, I had started a blog because it's mm. like 2008 or something. Mm-hmm. And I started a blog in the middle of the night, admittedly a couple of drinks or bottles deep. <laughs> I still don't even remember coming up with STL Wine Girl as the name. Really? But I don't. <laughs> nope. I don't. I was like, oh, that's what I did. Okay. And it was really about how I came, you know, I was working in this world when I discovered like wine, I was working in this city where everything was at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. Like when I was studying, I could just go to my, I was working under master sommeliers. I could just go and be like, this is the region of the grape I'm studying. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, here's a bottle. Mm -hmm. Then I moved back to St. Louis. And again, this is like 15 years ago. 
and I was having that opposite thing where I was mm. like, what do you mean I can't get any kind of wine? You know what I mean? Like right. it, it was, I had never thought about like the distribution part. So I had started this blog to kind of share with my coastal friends what kind of you the opposite. Yeah. You know, most people kind of start coming up in a town like ours and then move to a bigger mm-hmm. city or whatever. And I was doing the opposite. And so started writing a blog, ended up having people reach out to do some private tastings. And then I started decided to just go for it and I started offering a service called an in-home tasting. Mm. I would go to the house, I would make the entire dinner, pair all the wines, serve everything, teach and it became really popular and then I started having wine shops and such ask me to teach classes and then that was also like the rise, like that's when Twitter started mm. and like I, I might be like the first wine person in St. Louis to have a Twitter account, even okay. though I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> like I don't, I don't pretend to have been like a master at it, but I didn't have any money. But you money. were early into it, which yeah. always helps. And like, you know, I didn't have any money to promote myself. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so like that was how I shared what I was doing and. So then that developed into once restaurants and things realized, like, oh, we have to do the social media thing, don't we? <laughs> and, you know, it's like when they all were like, oh, we have to have a website, don't right. we? You know, those those milestones. And so a lot of my friends had were like, can you teach us how? Because when I moved back to St. Louis, I didn't know anybody in the mm. food scene here. So I literally just, like, bellied up to every bar and was like, hi, this is who I am and you're going to know me now. Right. And so for me not really ever working in a restaurant in St. Louis, I, I am very fortunate to really know everybody. Mm-hmm. But so then they were like, can you teach us how to do it? And then I realized, or you could just pay me to right. do it. because Yeah, What was there a point where you realized, obviously you realized – just said realize three different times <laughs> <laughs> what was the point that you realized some of those skills could be the business I mean I think it was just it it kind of happened organically because you know I really just you know when I do public classes or private events or anything like that like I'm still so rude like I love food and wine but really my heart is hospitality mm-hmm. and so it really just became like I'm providing hospitality to other hospitality businesses like Hmm. you know I'm I'm doing those services and the consulting and things for them the same way I would do for guests at a table that makes sense and so um I never really thought like I was already consulting on restaurant wine lists and things like that but the social media thing really took off and it has become like 50 percent of my business Mm -hmm. now with consultation and so and then um I was very fortunate that when Kat Neville launched Feast. She asked me to be the wine writer and like she made all my childhood dreams come true because I thought I was going to grow up and be a journalist (laughs) and a writer. And so I got to like somehow put everything together. And I got to prove to my dad that I put all of those things together because I run a business as a sommelier. I actually do um, consult on like the spatial planning of new restaurants (laughs) and I write. Right. So haha. You did it. But um, yeah. And then you know, just now I do guest sommelier um, things around town when people need somebody to work the floor. And I just do so many different events. I, I'm involved in like food and drink festivals. Mm-hmm. I was part of gin, you know, like I helped Gin World over many years. Um, Does it ever get sort of confusing trying to navigate all these different aspects of your job? I think that because I had always worked in restaurants where you're always doing 5,000 mm, different mm-hmm. things. It, You're the queen of multitasking. Was, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, there's definitely times where I'm like, oh, man, like, I'm supposed to work on that this week, too, or whatever. But I 
very much like I would be so not suited for a job where I was doing the same thing every Mm -hmm, day. mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that benefited, you know, me in, in having all these different things. So, you know, to try to explain to someone the like 22 different things right, I when do someone, in a week. So what do you do? Right. It's like, well, how, about, why the, how much time do you have? <laughs> right. That's why the paid to eat, drink and talk thing came about. And like, even I used to do a lot of TV and, you know, people would see me on TV. So then I was at like restaurants and sitting at the bar and I'm like having a cocktail mm-hmm. or whatever. I would have people come up and be like, aren't you St. Louis wine girl, STL wine girl? And they're like, that's not wine. And I'm like, I actually drink water and coffee and <laughs> beer and cocktails. So I started using a hashtag equal opportunity and Viber. I love that. Because also a lot of people don't realize when you become a sommelier, when you get those certifications, mm-hmm. it includes beer, liquor, cocktails. Mm. Like we have to know those things too. Yes, it's it's majority wine. But part of like our service and everything is they will just say, I would like a cocktail based in this. and You know, and you have to be able to not only say what's in it, how it's made, but suggest things so Mm. a lot of people just what is that sort of process like to get that certification how long did it take you to study for that so it's very much a self-study thing Mm because a a lot of people ask where do you go to school to do that and um it's very much self-study there's a lot more programs now that help but um I always say that anybody who gets their certified living in St. Louis actually worked harder than me because, again, I was living in an area where I was just surrounded with mm-hmm. the people with the knowledge. So, yes, it was, it's very much self-study, and I had to retain the information. But um, I, I went through it pretty quickly. From the time I started studying, got my first level, and my certified was only about two and a half years. Okay. Um, but I, there's also, like, the advanced level and the master level. And right. that can take, from beginning to end, that can take. 10 years I mean did you ever think about taking it to the next level I didn't um for me and especially when I started the style of business you know my business here is really about making wine like approachable and and for the you know trying to make everybody appreciate like everyday wine things Mm -hmm. and how to pick a right glass at a restaurant and everything like I don't feel that any other certification would would help or hurt my career sure and i just don't have the time <laughs> right but, you because you have but 12 I mean, different jobs <laughs> right and I mean like I, I admire and support all of these amazing fellow psalms that are doing it and um I'm constantly when people are like oh she's the one and especially when I'm with my group of friends I'm like no ask them like mm-hmm. they know more than me like right when you're like when people are like well you're the STL wine girl right. I'm like I am but <laughs> no, no it's just I think that's why I love the world of food and wine is because mm-hmm. one it's like the more you know, the more that you realize it's the less you know. Mm. There's always another level of things to learn, and there's always a new vintage, and there's always a new technique. There's always something. And so it's kind of nice to work in a field where, yes, some of us know more about other things than others, but all of us are constantly learning. Mm-hmm. I also enjoy that it technically is a subjective field and I come from a stubborn opinionated family (laughs) and I'm the baby. So technically working in wine, you're always right. Mm. Because like if I tell you I smell marshmallows (laughs) in like a Zinfandel, you can't tell me I don't smell that. I might need an MRI, but you can't tell me I don't smell it. So technically I'm I'm right. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) I I like it. I like that thought process. How um, has the wine scene changed 
since you moved back to St. Louis. Oh, wow. Tremendously. I admittedly moved back to St. Louis kicking and screaming. I did not Mm. think I was going to move back here. Um, But I also say that I happily put my foot in my mouth because I came back right as our scene was starting to take off. And like, I think that's why I have a successful business as I was in the right place at the right time. Mm. But watching, you know, when I left and it, Admittedly, my last restaurant job when I before I left for San Francisco is I helped open the Cheesecake Factory at the Gallery. Okay, I'm not still pretending. going strong. I was 21, <laughs> and by the way, like there was like four hour waits, and I made nope. so much money. There's still, I don't know if it's about the Galleria mm. one, but I was at it. Wait, what's the mall? Yeah, Chesterfield Mall, and there was like a two hour wait for it, the Cheesecake it Factory. Never I was stops. Like, what? Is that? Yeah, it was the grand opening. No of offense the first to the Cheesecake Factory fans out there, but um, there right. are better restaurants to try. There's yes, there's. I mean, there's a a, a, a gradual <laughs> incline. Um. So yeah, I didn't know. I, I was like Riesling and Chardonnay are white, and Pinot Noir right. and Cab are red. I got this down. And then my first job in San Francisco, I'm in. It was for a restaurant opening, and we are having a wine class, and they're talking about barnyard in Ro- the smell of Rhone wines and cat pee and Sauvignon Blanc. And I was like, I don't think I belong here. I don't know anything that they are talking about. And I'm over my head. But um, but yeah, like so moving back here and starting to see not only restaurants that were really, you know, I don't know what the word is, like, you know, branching out branching. Beside, mm-hmm. outside of our meat and potatoes and our classic Italian and things mm-hmm. like that. And then to see these wine lists, you know, just start to grow. And then St. Louis has been like a hotbed for sommeliers. Like, I mean, unfortunately, they all move away, (laughs) which I'm like, I moved back. You should stay. Right. Whatever. (laughs) But yeah, they like, you know, starting to there. There was a time where I never thought I would see, you know, like Lebanese wines by the glass Mm -hmm. in St. Louis and things. So like I am constantly excited about the food and drink scene here like obviously like covid there was like this worry like oh man like i hope it doesn't diminish what what's been happening for the last 10 plus years but you know i think we've rebounded back Mm -hmm. quite well and it's just i love that instead of going to restaurants and knowing every wine by the glass and being like okay well which one am i gonna have i again it's still me learning be like what is this i've never had this let me taste it let me see the bottle you know that's what I want, even as a wine professional. I want to go places and and still experience new things and be able f- to have somebody else teach me something. Mm-hmm. And I think I I am amazed at the interest in wine here. We're such a beer town, right? right. And then the craft cocktail movement kind of happened. Yeah, and- do you feel like the wine while it's expanded, branched out here, hasn't still had, like, its moment in St. Louis? Or, and do you think that will happen? I feel like wine is, like, the constant supporting actor, Mm. right? Like, you know, IPAs are going to have their heyday, and Mm -hmm. craft cocktails are going to have their heyday, and there's always something that's trending. But I feel like it's exciting that there's still exciting things happening in wine, but it's always there, like... It's not going to diminish mm-hmm. and it, it can quietly grow and expand and it not be about a trend, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. of course there are, are plenty of trends and wines and things like that. But I think that I, I definitely didn't think there were as many wine drinkers and collectors and 
things like that in St. Louis than there really are. And there's more and more all the time. And I mean, when I started doing classes and people, what I loved, because I think a lot of people, especially in the wine community, were like, why are you starting a business that's so like kind of entry level Mm. stuff? Because I had all this experience. Sure. Five star Michelin starred places. And um, but for me, it's like, well, before before St. Louis can be that kind of place, we have to start from the beginning. And I liked being some somebody people could feel confident coming to classes and not being intimidated. Right. And not feeling like, oh, okay, this is already above my head. Right. I, I'm going to go. <laughs> Wine has become this wildly intimidating subject, mm-hmm. which when you think about it, the origins of wine were just about like making stuff for like your family table mm-hmm. and you're, you know, like, and now we've turned it into, you know, I, I love, you know, how, how great the wine world is, but when people ask me about, like, if you think I'm at home drinking $100 bottles every night, you're wrong. Right. <laughs> like, and and people will tell me they're afraid to go into a wine shop and ask because they don't want to look stupid. And I'm like, people who work in wine shops or wine in general, for us to be able to find a bottle in a price range that you could, you know, if you come to buy a $100 bottle as a gift or whatever, you're a one-time customer. Right. Helping you find things in that 12 to $20 range that you just love and you're going to now trust me to come back and I can introduce you to other new mm-hmm. things. That's what we love. Like, right. we don't want you to be intimidated. We we want to share our dork with you. Like, What are some places that you feel are, are really good for sort of that that beginner wine lover? Whereas, like, yeah, okay, I love to drink a, a bottle that I pick up at Schnucks at home. But, like, I am worried. I am nervous going into the more, like upscale wine shops or at a restaurant I don't know like how to branch out what's your advice to sort of that wine consumer I first of all I always want to push shopping local Mm -hmm. um I know there are big wine conglomerate stores (laughs) um but uh I really want to and and I want to just say like all of those people working in the shops are just wine geeks that at one point didn't have any idea either Mm -hmm. and what I often tell people because they don't know how to describe what they're looking for Mm -hmm. is just tell me what you usually drink. Mm -hmm. Like I used to run a series of classes that were like, if you like that, try this. So like if you're a Chardonnay drinker, Mm -hmm. let me introduce you to five other styles of white wines that have characteristics that share so that you're kind of slowly expanding your bubble. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for me, and you know, I'm not going to say that there aren't wine people out there that maybe are, a little highbrow and are uncomfortable to talk to like that's just the nature of any business <laughs> yeah but the majority of us really just want to share with you and and you know like asking questions is how like they'll start like having you taste stuff that you don't have to pay for and you <laughs> like you know what I mean like being interested in that like that's what we want to get you passionate like we are mm-hmm. we don't want to just give you the exact same glass of Rombauer Chardonnay that you you drink every week mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know we want to introduce you to new things and especially when it comes to restaurants because I think of wine as a condiment when it comes mm. to food and wine pairing you can love a wine by itself, but that doesn't mean it goes with every meal you're going to, like, eat. Mm-hmm. And also, if you don't like a wine by itself, that doesn't mean you won't like it as a pairing. Mm-hmm. Like, you may love barbecue sauce and you may love risotto, <laughs> but you're not going to put barbecue sauce on your risotto. You might. I, I you know. <laughs> Someone to, might. <laughs> to each their own. But my hope would be that you for did. everyone <laughs> 
<laughs> is to not put barbecue sauce on your risotto. Now somebody out there is going to be like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get. I'm a- going to find a way to incorporate those flavors and make it happen. They're going to send it to me on Instagram <laughs> by the end of the week. Uh, I hope they do. I hope so too. Somebody do it. <clears throat> and then I'll tell you exactly what wine to pair with it. There you go. I mean, and that's another thing. Like I've tried to make it where people feel comfortable. Like I have regular, cl- like I have people who started coming to my classes 14 years ago and are still either have become some of my great friends or they still text me a picture of the wine list mm-hmm. when they're at a restaurant and they're like okay I just ordered the lamb these are the by the glass what do you what, right. what what should I get I want people to feel like they can just message me and and hopefully get the, you know hopefully I see it in time and yeah. um but <laughs> and you didn't yeah. respond right now I know like <laughs> the waiter's uh, over my shoulder <laughs> I am admittedly attached to my phone but I definitely like you know maybe I might miss a few minutes but um you know like I think in in when it comes to like where to go, like, you know, a lot of just always, I guess my biggest thing is to always remember that anybody you're asking about wine mm-hmm. at one point didn't know anything mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. And I have this theory that everybody, when they start drinking wine, they either started drinking on like one end of the spectrum where it's like really sweet, mm-hmm. potentially Missouri farm. made, <laughs> because like, you know. I want to say high school, college, but <laughs> 21. Um, at, or they saw that it was really cool to drink these big red cabs. And they were like, I don't know if I like it, but I look cool. <laughs> right. And my job is just trying to bring them both over to the other side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And that's why like food and wine pairing became such a passion of mine. Because it's I'm not trying to get you to love every wine just by itself. Mm-hmm. I want that synergy. So, like, you can love a dish, you can love a wine, but then when you put them together, there's this other thing that happens. Just like you do anything else. Like, the way you decide to cook a piece of salmon mm-hmm. greatly impacts how that salmon tastes. If you blacken it, if you grill it, if you saute it, if you bake it. And, you know, it's like when people come and say, well, I don't like Merlot. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, okay, well, how much Merlot have you had? Right. Because... It's grapes. They're grown all over the place. And every decision from the moment you plant the vines to the final product in the bottle, every single one of those decisions made by the vineyard managers, the, the um, how they pick it to how the winemaker ages it, all of these decisions changes what the final product is. And so it, I often use like the cheeseburger analogy. Like <laughs> we've all had a bad cheeseburger, mm-hmm. probably multiple bad cheeseburgers, but we don't go well I don't like cheeseburgers Mm -hmm. we always know hopefully it's gonna be good (laughs) right so I don't I would just want to say like don't discount wines if you've had a couple you don't like I'm not saying if you don't like it I'm not gonna make you drink it Mm -hmm. but what is your favorite food and wine pairing do you have Mm. one is that hard to say what's your favorite thing to pair with wine um oh man I mean I love all of it right like (laughs) that's the joy of my job but I mean, I'm a sucker for classic pairings. Like, I, you know, I love, you know, pairing wine with oysters. And I, you know, like, I, and I especially love challenges. Mm. Like, there are certain things that don't particularly, like, can go really badly with wine. Like, that was going to be my next question. What's the hardest thing to pair like with artichokes wine? artichokes and asparagus and sometimes olives. Like, they, sometimes if you have things together, if your wine is tasting metallic, mm. it 
probably isn't that the wine tastes metallic. It probably has to do with something that's happening in the pairing. Mm-hmm. So you're going to think you don't like that wine, but it's really because of what's happening. So, yeah, I like that. And I just like, um, I mean, I love like the classic pairings. And that's especially how you, you can kind of show people why that matters. But I, I mean, like, I love that, like, some weeks I'm pairing wines with Vietnamese food. Other weeks it's Italian food. And other weeks it's Spanish and French and, I, you know, you know Mexican food. Like, and I like pairing wines with, like, our everyday stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to go on, like, a whole I'm going to pair fast food with wine. But, like, what you make, you know, when you have those, like, chicken enchiladas you make at home all the time. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, your go-to dish. I want to help you find a wine that you absolutely love with that. Or even multiple wines that you love with that. Because that's sort of, like, the real life scenario exactly yes most people aren't going to be every night at a restaurant pairing you know their steak with wine but they are at home with that that meal that's on their sort of go-to list of things that they prepare at home and they want to have something delicious to to pair with absolutely that's why again i have people that will send me a picture of the the wine department at a grocery store and be like i'm gonna make this for dinner this week for whatever you know and not everybody is out there going to wine shops mm-hmm. or going and spending that much money. So it's about finding something that you love, which will never be barefoot or yellowtail. <laughs> Just here to tell you. Sorry, I don't take a stand on many. Th- no, I <laughs> Those do. Those are your stands. <laughs> like, I, I, not to be hateful, but like, it, there's just, if you want an inexpensive wine, there's just so many other options. Do you think that is also changed immensely in recent years the ability to find a good bottle of wine for a a much more affordable price point yeah I think that those options always existed but they weren't as accessible Accessible, yeah and so absolutely like you know even we're we're even starting to move out of the era where everybody buys their bottles based on how cute the label is Mm -hmm. you know I mean I'm still kind of in that I mean don't get me wrong it's going to catch your eye marketing is marketing um, that's why a lot of European wineries are like actually branding their bottles that come here differently than what they mm. sell there because they're like, oh, all of the like <laughs> vineyards and appellations that we put on the bottles, like Americans don't always care about that. Right. So then they put something a little bit more sleek and mm-hmm. marketing friendly and um, their sales go up. But yeah, we're visual consumers. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I also know that when you decide to buy a bottle of wine, especially if you're going to spend 15 or $20, like, there's that, is it going to be good? Like, what if I pick something new and I don't like it? Right. And I get that. Like, I, I often say, like, buying wine is a gamble. Like, but find the fun in that, too. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. okay, say you bought it for this specific thing and it's not working out the way you wanted. That doesn't mean it can't work out another way. And if all else fails, either make it really, really cold and then you can't really even taste it. It's like how you drink Bud Light. And then, or make sangria. Or, you know, like there's always a purpose. There's always an option. But I, yes, like the idea that the only inexpensive bottles to buy are these big mass produced, Mm -hmm. highly marketed um, companies is is just not, it's just not real anymore. And, And I love that there's... I mean, I even tell people who are trying to just dabble in wine. I'm like, go to Trader Joe's. Like, I'm not saying that they're going to be the best versions of every different Mm -hmm. varietal, but you can find so many different wines there for under $10. Or so if you're just trying to like experiment and see what you like or don't like, it's a place to start Mm -hmm. that you don't have to invest hundreds of dollars. So, yeah. 
What is, where are a couple places right now that you are really excited about their wine menus? Oh, you're going to make me get in trouble. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to make you <laughs> share some, some fun places with us. Okay. Um, I always enjoyed the By the Glass list by um, anything, any of the Olive and Oak spots. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark does a great job with all of that. Um, I really like the wine list at Little Fox. I love everything um, they do. <laughs> uh, Cinder House is one of the premier places to go with two advanced sommeliers at mm-hmm. the helm right now, um, as well as a, a third set certified sommelier. So, I mean, there's I don't know that there's any other restaurant with as much wine knowledge working the floor as there is there. Um, I know I'm going to forget places and That's get okay. in trouble. Don't, but, and no one get mad at her. <laughs> yeah. Um, let, let me switch gears a little bit. Where is where do you hope to see some wine menus go? What's kind of a trend that you see on the East and West Coast that you sort of hope, say, you know, whether it's, you know, we've started seeing a lot more natural wine, orange wine on lists. What's something that you see on, on the coast that you hope really starts making its way here in St. Louis? So I appreciate natural wine. I appreciate orange wine. But those are those that's an example of like trends that mm-hmm. happen. And I definitely think that, like, yes, we're seeing a lot more, like, eco-friendly and sustainable practices in winemaking in general. And natural wine's not going anywhere. It's not like it's going to fade out. But for me, what I would like to see the most is actually just little places that think they shouldn't have a wine list Mm. have a wine. Like, not a wine list, but have, like, um, have, have a few options that are great. Like, even little Mexican joints are, like, like in full disclosure, he's one of my clients, but, like, what Kui Tran has at Mai Lee. Yeah. Like, that's some of the best selections by the glass that you can get at, you know, casual Asian restaurants. And that's what I would like to see is mm. more, not just, okay, we're going to have a red and a white mm-hmm. because people sometimes want wine. Like, I'm not saying you need to have a whole bottle list and everything, but have, like, you know, three to four or five options of really cool stuff. In places that maybe people don't even think, like, I'm going to find cool wine here. Right. So how do then, how do restaurants, like, let people know that, like, hey, this, you know, these one or two, three options we have, like, you're going to be excited about them. How does, like, a restaurant, and that's probably where you sort of come in to help restaurants yeah, do I that. Mean, that's, a, you know, not only do I consult and try to help them pick the right things, but, you know, I mean, it's it's just like everything now. You've you, you got to put it on social media. You've got to, you know... Um, share about it and why you chose them and and what dishes they go with and you know I'm not saying you need to put out press releases and invite a bunch of influencers or whatever like but like just sharing because word of mouth goes really far in this town especially Mm -hmm. and I think just highlighting it in your your everyday marketing just like you would your beer selection or the fun cocktails you're making but um yeah, I just think that, you know, I, I, I want to get away from the idea of having a house white and a house red mm-hmm. on the list. Mm-hmm. And you have no idea where what it is and where it's coming from, <laughs> but it's $6. So, you know, I just, you know, I, I want to, nobody's ever like, well, we have a light beer and we have an IPA, but we don't tell you which ones they are. Right. That's such a good point. Why don't, why do we do that in wine? Mm. And why so, do you, I mean, it, where does that come from? Is it just I how think, it's been? Done? I think that a lot of restaurants that have that don't particularly know wine mm-hmm. so um they're not even sure or you know they're 
probably trying to buy, um, you know, inexpensive producers because mm-hmm. they maybe don't go through as much and things like that. So maybe they don't want to put it on there. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, there's a lot of reasons. But like I said, like we wouldn't be like, well, we have a, a light, a, a local beer light, but we don't say it's not Bud Light or, you know, like that's right. That's such a good point. I've never thought about it that way, but that is such a, it's, it's when just, you think about that, yeah, that is kind of crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> we have a dark beer and a light beer. Okay. Right. And <laughs> and if you do want to have just one house white and one house red, I mean, there again, there's so many options out there that are still in the price range mm-hmm. of you being able to sell it, you know, for $6 a glass, if that's, if that's your clientele, but there's just way cooler stuff out there than just having to buy, you know, some bulk California Chardonnay and cab that is maybe just okay. Mm-hmm. You are a huge cheerleader of the hospitality scene here. What do, does that look like as we continue to grow as as really a food destination and a, and a cocktail destination, a wine destination, and really just a hospitality destination across the country? What, is, what does that mean to you here in St. Louis? For me, it's... Um I often say to people, especially my friends in other cities, that, like, I've never worked in a food and hospitality community like this. Like, everybody works together, and there's so many collaborations. Like, I mean, you can't go any week without there being, like, five restaurants that are collaborating with another restaurant or doing, you know, a charity thing together or... And in, in other cities, you know, it's a it's cutthroat. Like, they're like, I'm not going to share anything mm-hmm. about what I'm doing with you. And I think that, you know, there's a strong understanding of, of if if we want St. Louis to succeed, we all have to support each other. And I really love that. And I was worried about, you know, going through the COVID experience, you know, some of that had to like die off, but I'm seeing a lot more of it come back because everybody's getting back on their feet and able to do those things. I think, um, sh- you know, even though there's so much of social media that sometimes like cringe at or I get a little like sick of seeing the same stuff but like you know that's the way we share information Mm -hmm. and you know we're we're getting a lot more national recognition um in not only in writing but like James Beard Awards and for me it's just you know I don't know just keep shouting from the rooftops that like I love when my friends from other towns come here because I it's like I tell them how great it is and they're probably like okay and Mm -hmm. whatever but then they come and they're like, okay, this was not at all what I said. Right. I, I like that. I'm almost like it's one of those like, you know, silly underdog things. Like, I like that we can still surprise people. Like, when I go back to San Francisco or I go to New York or I go to, you know, Chicago, Vegas, like, if I have a lackluster meal, that's more identifiable or like mm-hmm. a standout thing than if I have a great meal because right. I expect to have a great meal. Where I'm not saying people come here expecting to have a lackluster meal, but I still like that we can surprise people and, like, really over-exceed expectation. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's my theory in, in, in my motto in hospitality is always about exceeding expectations. Like, what's that saying? Like, under-promise, over-deliver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's – I don't under-promise anything, but I always – you know, especially coming from – training in like St. Regis and the Ritz-Carlton and places in San Francisco like Michael Mina and Gary Danko like it was about finding any little notch where we could make your experience better like at Gary Danko the bathrooms at Gary Danko in San Francisco are like a spa experience Mm -hmm. like people take way longer in the bathroom (laughs) and it's not for the reason you think and like they'll come out and be like your hand soap or you know and we literally will gift them 
little bottles of it. And, you know, like it's always finding those little pockets. When I worked at Ame in the St. Regis, if somebody came in for dinner and then they like were going to a show and I could tell like they had had a lot of cocktails or whatever, I could literally have vitamin water and dessert waiting (laughs) for them in the the room. And it's just finding those pockets to really wow people. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, service should be on point. Food should be on point. But when you can find those little moments where you make somebody feel special or that you realize they needed a hook for their purse or they you know what I mean like little little that's how I feel in everything I do not just within the restaurant it's it's that for my clients it's that in my classes it's in my writing I always just want to find a way to surprise people and 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 go above and beyond and I think that St. Louis is perfect for that right now in so many ways and you know we just have to keep pounding the pavement and and sharing our stories with the rest of the world and um you know luckily we have so many amazing chefs and psalms and and bartenders and things that are traveling and and sharing what's going on um and we're getting more and more notice and i don't know it's just like people sometimes try to lure me away to live in other cities and i i think about it constantly but there's just it's really special here and I I feel so fortunate to be able to run the kind of business I do. I don't think I could have this life in any other city. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I literally started a blog drunk in the middle of the night and it accidentally turned into a business. Like, I can't go and teach people about biz- writing a business plan or anything like that. I didn't do that. But I think that, you know, and I've rolled with the punches. I didn't decide this is what my business is going to look like. And go with that, like, what my business looks like now versus 14 years ago is wildly different. And I think that's St. Louis, too, is we are constantly rolling with the punches. Like, yeah, the trends hit us a little bit later. and But I also like that we don't get overly stuck in trends. Mm-hmm. We don't see a ton of restaurants and things popping up that are on this, like, trend wave mm-hmm. and then they all close. Like, of course, a few here and there, but... We're really focused on on elevating and and like I said, like even even like and I don't even mean for all like high end restaurants, like I love that we have like even more like refined Mexican mm-hmm. spots you know like i I love that we can move away from everybody expecting to just be able to go to a Mexican restaurant and like there's you know the combos of plates of the exact same like I love that it's getting more intricate and more defined of Oaxacan cuisine Mm -hmm. or Mayan cuisine and that's what I want to see you know and I think the more that we do that and the more that we share that not only you know I I don't need it's like we don't really need everybody else to respect us (laughs) as a city it's great we want people to know about it but it's really us loving what we're doing here and what each other are doing and supporting that. Yeah. And the fact that I can go to any restaurant on any given day and I run into other chefs, bartenders, psalms, whatever, eating at these other places, that's what makes me feel happy. Because I'm like, yeah, we're all supporting each other. I love that. Amazing. That cheerleading nature of the St. Louis food scene is something we love to share each and every week here at the Meet St. Louis podcast. If you know of a person or a business that we should feature and showcase here on the Meet St. Louis podcast, let us know. You can find us on social media at Meet St. Louis podcast on Instagram and on Facebook. Thanks for listening. 
and we'll meet you back here next week.